Happy November, and thanks for joining us for another edition of the Gay15 Risk Roundtable. I'm Andy, and I'm joined once again by Jennifer Lynn Walker, Jarena Thomas, and I'm trying to behave myself today, the always knowledgeable and ever entertaining, if terribly long-winded, Dave Pounder. <laughs> Team, how are we doing today? Good. Oh, Dave. Great. <laughs> so yeah, it, that just, was good, right? it, it just came to me, Andy, I, like you always say, hi, I'm Andy, but you never say your last name. You never say, hey, how great, wonderful things you are. You give us the full thing and you just go in and just say, I'm, I'm Andy. Well, yeah, As if we should all know. I mean, we should all know who just Andy is. I mean, have you just Andy? If, if if you're an office fan like I am, and and you and you recall, I think it was season eight, right? At, at the end of that season, when uh, Bob introduced himself as Bob Kazamakis, and everybody's like, "Who? What?" I mean, Andy's not even my original name, right? So it, it's all meaningless at this point, Dave. It's all meaningless. It's like Kramer's friend in Seinfeld, Bob Sacamano. You know, when he kept referencing <laughs> that Bob, yeah, you know. My I mean, friend Bob Sacamano. We just touched two of the greatest shows of all time. So it's a, it's a good place to jump into a very exciting discussion in this wonderful month of November. So team, it's November and we've agreed to make this an election-free discussion. So we're going to focus on the always exciting topic of critical infrastructure. And it is National Critical Infrastructure Month. We think that's what we might be calling it or Critical Infrastructure Security and Resilience Month. Or Jen, I think you're going to explain that wonderful acronym to us here in a minute. But before we dive into that, I just want to say we're focusing on infrastructure today, and we're going to be talking about that really all month, I think. So Jen, Dave, can you give a little preview of what you're talking about in this month's The Cybersecurity Evangelist and the Nerd Out panel? Sure, absolutely. So uh, TCE, uh, it's a bit of a companion podcast, like you alluded to, actually, and it also lends itself to a couple of your prior interviews, and I believe a future interview, Not, I won't spoil that one, but um, in recognition of what I'm going to introduce, oh, you kind of already did, but I'll talk more about it when Dave's finally done talking, um, but again, without too many spoilers, on TCE, I'm going to have an ISAC edition, so I'm going to be talking to several folks from the Information Sharing and Analysis Centers. Um, in a nutshell, ISACs are the the organizations that help coordinate, collaborate, um, and support security and resilience activities and uh, help maintain situational awareness for our nation's critical infrastructure sector organizations. So I'll be chatting up with several analysts and maybe a director or two. Um, not quite what you did when you interviewed Errol Weiss from Health ISAC or Ben Spear last month for uh, the Elections Infrastructure ISAC, where you did it on like specific topics. Um, since TCE is more about cybersecurity for everyone, my goal is to provide an intro and some awareness about each ISAC and their primary sector focus and threat concerns on a high-level overview, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. But fun notwithstanding, I'm even going to let Dave make an appearance. Well, that's your one mistake to, to be sure. But, but she, Jen, she only gave me 15 minutes too. Right? That's a mistake, right? <laughs> that's about 14 and a half more than I would have given you. So you're in good, you're in good shape. No, that's, I'm excited to see who else you're talking to. I always love to listen to Dave and his perspective on, on what he's doing, what he contributes, obviously. And uh, I'm sure you're going to be talking to a lot of other great friends and colleagues and looking forward to hearing. Is there going to be another two-part discussion? Uh, yes, that will be another part two discussion. I'm, I awesome. think I'm going to keep that um, theme going with TCE. I think Jen's getting over doing less work than we are, Dave. I think, <laughs> all, I think she's somehow getting over on this. Uh, we have the gift for Gab, and I think Jen is interested more as my dog just goes off in the background. Um, dog, my dog, my neighbor's dog. It's, it's, it, it's all, yeah. But, Your red phone. Um, <laughs> exactly. But no, um, yeah, I think that's... Uh, it's interesting times for sure. For sure, for sure. Well, what are you gonna be doing this month? You've got some special, special guests this month too, I think, right? Yeah, so we, I mean, we're gonna continue with our good panel discussions. We're gonna look at a lot of different uh, things, but mostly focusing ahead, looking towards the holidays. I mean, this is a busy time or, or traditionally it's a busy time of year with holiday shopping, holiday festivals and activities, um, faith-based uh, celebrations. Um, but now we've got COVID, so um, we have to take into consideration what that's going to look like, how it's going to look, and what are the security implications and ramifications off of that. So uh, we got a good panel, as always, um, and then we'll just kind of work through that from there. Awesome. Well, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that panel. I think the insights you guys bring and share, 
I think it's just a, it's a really awesome group with lots of different levels of expertise, and it's a, it's just really a fun listen. So if you haven't listened to TCE or the Nerd Out, please do. They're they're great discussions, and uh, I'll selfishly promote the the Gate 15 interview. I'm really excited this month to talk to Kim Milford, who leads the Research and Education Network ISAC, which Jen touched on a little earlier. Kim is an awesome leader, leading a really awesome team. We've had a chance to work with her and the team a few times over the last few years, and we're looking forward to that discussion. And we'll continue the focus on infrastructure in December as well, where I'll be talking to Caitlin Durkovich. And if you don't know Caitlin, uh, she's got a great history with infrastructure at DHS and, and some really good uh, thought-provoking analysis and, and forward-looking ideas. And I'm looking forward to talking with her. So if you don't know her, you, you certainly will by the end of the year. So exciting stuff. But here we are, and we're going to talk about infrastructure today. So Jen, I'm going to stop talking, give things back to you to explain what Critical Infrastructure Security and Resilience Month 2020 is all about. Okay, so yeah, as Andy kind of trips on his tongue there, and in case you weren't hungry for more acronym soup, remember in September we had two helpings with National Preparedness Month, uh, NPM, and then also NITAM or National Insider Threat Awareness Month, and then of course we came back for more in October for NCSAM or National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and as Andy said, this is November, so if you didn't have enough acronyms before, you certainly will now with NCISRM, or National Critical Infrastructure Security and Resilience Month. However, the White House, um, their press release dropped the N, and they're calling it CISRM, so Critical Infrastructure Security and Resilience Month, and CISA helpfully shortened it to Thank You ISM, or Infrastructure Security Month. And that's the one I'm going with. So in despite what Andy says, not every month can be DPAGM or Dave Pounder Appreciation and Gratitude Month, <laughs> which is better than a Jen's mom I shout you, out. I told you because I just want to make this a public statement. In my heart, every month is Dave Pounder Appreciation <laughs> Month. So sorry, Jen, didn't interrupt your flow. Please. No, no, no. That's what it was meant for. <laughs> so all kidding aside, yes, November is Infrastructure Security Month. That's the winner. We're going with that one. And just like the months before it in September and October, um, from uh, CISA and their ISM Toolkit 2020, Infrastructure Security Month is a nationwide effort to raise awareness and reaffirm the commitment to keep our nation's critical infrastructure secure and resilient. And if, you, if I may, this is actually the epitome of Gate 15's mission. It's not our mission statement, but I think, I, and I'll speak for you, Andy, I know you'll probably have more to say about that, but critical infrastructure protection is why Gate 15 exists and why we all get up in the morning, some of us <laughs> much earlier than others, um, and if it's not already keeping us up at night. Um, and Gate 15 is definitely committed to building awareness of the importance of critical infrastructure. And I can't think of any other time in history, at least probably since the Industrial Revolution, which no, contrary to popular belief, I was not there. Um, but that has so significantly highlighted or elevated or made relevant the crucial role of our critical infrastructure and its essential workers. And I pose three rhetorical quick questions that I'm gonna try to address with one answer. So if you're not someone who's functionally involved with critical infrastructure, you might be thinking, okay, what is critical infrastructure? Why is it important to keep it secure and resilient? And what does it have to do with me? And I pose an answer, critical infrastructure provides our way of life. I think this year more than ever, we've been acutely aware that we have you know, instant access to information and communications, uh, our election systems and infrastructure, uh, even think about things like chemical security for the development of pharmaceuticals. And then there are some of the things that we take for granted that still happen every day, right? Safe, clean drinking water, instant on power like electricity and gas, uh, reliable transportation, including the infrastructure to get us from point A to point B, not just the vehicles themselves, but the roads and then agriculture that supplies our produce all year round. The importance here is that critical infrastructure isn't just about those who work in critical infrastructure. So if you think of what DHS has identified as the current US critical infrastructure sectors, and there are 16, you'll realize just how much everyone relies on them. Therefore, Infrastructure Security Month is a time to think about how each of us can contribute to the security and resilience of the nation's most essential services and functions. And if you bear with me, 
just so people who may not be as familiar are thinking about it, I'm going to list in alphabetical order the 16 U.S. critical infrastructure sectors. We have chemical, commercial facilities, communications, critical manufacturing, dams, defense industrial base, emergency services, energy, financial services, food and agriculture, government facilities, healthcare and public health, information technology, nuclear reactors, materials and waste, transportation systems, and one has a soft spot in my heart, water and wastewater systems. And I'm actually, as I mentioned before in the beginning, going to be talking to several folks from the sector, these sector ISACs on TCE this month and next month. So this year's theme is critical infrastructure in a time of transformation, sorry about that. And they are promoting two sub-themes, security and response during a global pandemic and the future of securing critical infrastructure. And I'm not going to belabor those because we'd like to spend more time talking about the different threats and hazards that our critical infrastructure are vulnerable to. Uh, some of those threats and hazards to critical infrastructure may be specific to geographic regions or uh, across an entire country and maybe even have global ramifications, including physical, natural, man-made, health, and of course, cyber. So since I've talked long enough, everyone else is going to cover some of those examples of the threats and hazards to critical infrastructure. But if somebody misses something, maybe I'll chime in later. But that said, one final note for me, again, if you think about those 16 sectors that I mentioned, plus the numerous subsectors, there are a lot of cross-sector dependencies. Uh, for example, hospitals need water, right? No water, no hygiene. Uh, that's actually a shout out. I borrowed that slogan from um, an American Water Works Association, imagine a day without water campaign. So like no water, no hygiene, no water, no coffee, you get the idea. And then I'd like to close out with a quote from CISA on that respect is our way of life relies on a complex network of physical and cyber systems, all working together in harmony to defend against critical infrastructure threats, both natural and man-made. Our infrastructure grows more interdependent with other systems and functions and is under special strain during the time of pandemic. We must look at our risks from both a cyber and a physical perspective. Andy? And thanks, thanks for that great intro. You covered a lot of ground there. Great introduction to critical infrastructure, to security, resilience, and this wonderful month that comes around every November, a month that I'm somewhat partial to for a variety of reasons. So you, you touched a couple of things I just want to mention. You mentioned the 16 sectors. You talked about subsectors. One community that is not considered critical infrastructure is the community of faith. And uh, in June of this year, I had a chance to write a, a, a letter. Uh, to President Trump, but but pu published on Security Debrief. I'll share that link in the, the show notes or the, the blog post that accompanies this podcast, where we submitted that really we think the, the faith-based community um, should be considered a part of critical infrastructure. And just as we're recording this uh, podcast today, it looks like another tragic incident aimed at people of faith in Austria as, as another Jewish facility and Jewish people come under attack from, a, from an attacker. And um, that's still a developing story right now as we're going to recording, but just further underscoring the importance of the faith-based community, um, which really is part of that American fabric and a non-traditional form of critical infrastructure. But to the other point you made about sort of, you know, how gate 15-ish this month really is, I really do think it is very much in line that we do. You know, our purpose is to help maintain our common freedoms and ways of life by supporting organizational security and resilience. That is across critical infrastructure where we're fortunate to work with a lot of great partners, uh, both directly and uh, you know, relationships and partners in our communities of faith and however else that we can. So this really is an important month and really does sort of highlight a lot of what we're all about and we're trying to do. So I appreciate those connections. But I know that uh, Drina and Dave have both thought about this quite a bit from their end. So why don't we just move over right now. Drina, do you want to start us off with some ideas about Infrastructure Security Month and what you've been thinking about and how you look at the threats affecting infrastructure today? Sure, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jen and Andy. Really good comments. I really appreciate you uh, sharing what you shared. So I just want to pull out uh, a couple notes from the uh, Guide to Critical Infrastructure Security and Resilience that CISA put out last year, a really comprehensive document that I'm sure we'll share in, in the show notes. Um, but that, that document lists out several threats and hazards all across the board to critical infrastructure. And I wanted to, just for my piece, focus on one in particular, which is foreign influence operations. So I know we're not talking about the election today, but I do wanna note that 
throughout the last several months, we really have been focusing on foreign influence operations, particularly their impact on elections uh, infrastructure and the like. So we talked a lot about that in the run-up to the elections, but I also want to note that it is a major misinformation, disinformation, foreign influence operations can have uh, a major impact on other areas of critical infrastructure protection as well. So a couple of examples might be when there are disruptions in the electricity or, or communication sector, for example, or when there are major natural, natural disasters that come up or when there's a terrorist attack that occurs. And of course, in the situation where, that we're in right now, when there's a pandemic, you have lots of false information that is flooding the, the airwaves and social media. And a lot of that is derived from for, foreign influence, but a lot of it is actually domestic influence operations as well. So people who are domestic that have a, some type of agenda to put false information out there. And so I just wanted to note that and kind of shift that discussion as we talk about foreign influence operations and bad information out there in general, um, putting bad information out to influence people in general, um, because it does really tie into the protection of our critical infrastructure. Now, back in 2018, uh, DHS had what they called a social media working group for emergency services and disaster management. This was back in 2018 in March of 2018, and they put together a really good product, which we'll share as well. It's called Countering False Information on Social Media in Disasters and Emergencies. And the document really highlighted the impact that false information has not just in disasters and emergencies, but across the board. And a lot of what they shared, the advice that they gave, could be applied across our 16 critical infrastructure sectors. So a couple of things I'll note really quick here were that the document noted that there are, that multiple motives lead people to post false information on social media. So some people seek a particular result, such as closing schools for the day, or some desire to get attention with a dramatic post, and some are pushing a money-making scam or a political agenda. And then some people just innocently repeat bad or outdated information. And we've seen a lot of that. Um, even if we just think about the healthcare and public health sector this year with COVID, we saw a lot of intentionally bad information out there and just innocently bad information out there that people were sharing and not knowing that. And so um, a couple of the best practices that the, the document noted was that the um, folks in that that manage disasters emergency management, and I'll extend this out to other critical infrastructure sectors, should establish partnerships with local, traditional with local traditional media outlets before things occur, before things go down, before attacks may happen, so that means exist to disseminate accurate information. Also, another best practice that the document highlighted was using the joint information system to coordinate information efforts of multiple jurisdictions and agencies, maybe sectors, maybe industries, depending on what the event may be. And then finally, setting up a central website to debunk bad information. So I just want to note that here as we think about critical infrastructure protection and resilience, um, it's good to think about how important the, the, the information environment is out there and how it can impact operations and response to when things go bad and coordination as well. Back to you, Andy. Yeah, I really appreciate that. That's a great interview. I know we said we're going to touch elections. You just briefly touched on that. I thought it was a great example talking about um, influence operations with respect to coronavirus. You also protest. I mean, we've certainly seen foreign adversaries, not least of which has been Russia, you know, deliberately try and cause divisiveness by um, highlighting both sides, you know, and, and creating confrontation and different protest activities and trying to get people fired up. And you know, foreign influence is largely targeted at deliberately causing us to try and divide from one another, argue with one another. That's just one more way to attack you know, the United States of America. And I think it's such an important point because it hits us as a country. It's truly has impacts critical infrastructure in so many ways and almost every American in one way or another. I mean, even I shared last week, you know, just, just sharing something on a you know, community uh, social media type platform and, and how quickly things get hostile and, and, and tense. Um, I think because very successfully, I think Russia and others have, have conducted successful foreign influence operations. And I think it's really, it's a great point to bring up and it does affect every part of critical infrastructure and in, in our American way of life. So thanks for highlighting that. Some really great references in there too. 
and some things we'll include in the notes of the company that's this uh, recording as well. So really great. And Dave, and even looking at a few of these categories, the document that Jarena just mentioned, do you want to add on to that? Yeah, if I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I think it's it's interesting when you think about um, disinformation and misinformation. It, it's such a, you, you know, we always want to point the blame somewhere else and and poke, you know, these big businesses and, and social media companies for continuing to kind of promulgate the issue or not do enough to stop it and. And you, you know, and I posted this on social, my social media this weekend, uh, and then I'll move on to my my threats that I was focused on for this thing. Is is while we should hold those organizations accountable, and we should you know push them to do more and be better. Um, it, it you know disinformation campaigns work because people you know buy into it. I mean, they open up the links. They they. It, they're targeting the individuals who design these are targeting human emotion. They know the raw uh, subjects that get people excited. They know certain hot topics and buzzwords and, and, and they shape those messages to do that. And, and the way we stop it quite simply is by allowing our, you know, to stop, take a breath and say, you know what, what, what's being said here let me do my own research here before i like it or share it or do you know go off the handle and and shout it you know let's do a little bit more research on it you know a lot of these articles too i mean it's so it's so it's so, so comical and, and sad i mean frankly it's sad on a lot of levels because the, these individuals they'll take us a, a paragraph or they'll take a sentence and they'll allow that to work themselves off and say this individual see he's a you know, he's a racist bigot, or he's a liberal monster, or he's a fascist, or whatever, and they'll fly off the handle about these things. But if you really read the whole context of the um, of the article or or the statement, maybe it's not so bad. So we, we but we owe it to ourselves to be better too. So we can't just blame everyone else for doing it. We we have to be better when it comes to disinformation and, and misinformation. I know Jarena's done a lot on this front. Um, and I really appreciate her insight on it because it, 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 it's just so fascinating to see how these things work. And, and frankly, they're winning. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. And that's the sad part about it is they're winning. I, I agree so, with you on that. Dude. I think your, your tweet, Dave, it, it was a really good message. I, I saw that and I appreciated that. Um, and I, you know, I think it sounds like you're, you're almost saying that I've got to take individual responsibility for my actions and I can't just blame everybody else. And I mean, God forbid. That's, <laughs> such, a, that's such a crazy thought. I mean, you're, I, I do my best to avoid political statements on the show. So I, I, I'll hold my, my tongue there. I'll just say, <laughs> yes, individual responsibility is a wonderful thing. And, and you're absolutely right that, you know, we all get uh, fired up and passionate about different things, especially at, at times like we're in right now. And um, it wouldn't hurt just to pause and think and actually process before we uh, comment, which is, is something that we don't do very well. And I agree. I agree. The adversaries, born and domestic, are winning they're succeeding more effectively than we are controlling ourselves so i think that's, that's right on but i know you have other things you want to talk about too so yeah so yeah so I, I won't take as long because i think it's just a, a like indicative of where we're at i think i think if you look at the 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 number of these and i think jen will cover the rest of them um which ones i don't hit that you know the the group that i'm doing i i picked this group just because it all blended together and, and it's you know Climatological events. I, I was able to get that one out. Let's see if I can do the rest of them. Hydro, hydrocological, <laughs> meteorological. I can't get any of them out. Geospatial and pandemics. And I mean, if you really look at it, as Jen's laughing at me, um, and, and I'm sure Jarena's laughing at me too, if she wasn't on mute. But um, I'm going to come off mute just to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at all four of those, five of those, I mean, we're talking about extreme temperatures, drought, wildfires. Oh, that's that's weird. We're seeing that in the West Coast. Floods. Uh, oh, that's, that's kind of weird. We saw that all spring. You know, um, tropical cyclones, severe con uh, convection uh, storms, severe weather storms, uh, guess or severe winter storms. Guess what? What's happening? <laughs> you know, there's snow in parts of the world, not in Florida, but there's snow in parts of the world. You know, and then you got the, the earthquakes. We just unfortunately had an earthquake in Turkey, uh, the tsunamis and volcanic eruptions. And we look at, and then you look at pandemics. I mean, obviously we're in the midst of one. I mean, look, and look, 
I mean, they all blend together. It's all one big mess at this point in time. And, and we have to learn to deal with that. And we have to learn, for, you know, if we're looking to protect critical infrastructures, you know, one of the things that we really think about is a global pandemic, when you have, um, you know, so much of the population being affected by this, whether they have, are testing positive for that or whether they've been exposed and are in quarantine for it, these are knocking out, you know, leaders in, in key positions and, and managers at key positions within our critical infrastructures. And, and what were to happen, you know, should we get or have a, another type of um, a, a severe weather storm or meteorological event where I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going full bore. I butchered the word. I'm just going to keep going with it. I'm just, if I power through it, if nobody will notice. You call it what um, you want, Dave. We understand. Yeah, I mean, I just got to go. I'm just going, okay. Geospatial, <laughs> geophysical. No, but I mean, I think if, when we look at those things is we have to look at what are the impact impacts uh, you know, that's going to have on one another. So if we look at flooding or something, if we're in a third world country or, or a country that may not be as, as developed and, and they have severe flooding and it wipes out villages and such, what happens to the, the, their critical infrastructure there? Now you throw on top of all the other um, threats that we have in there that, that merge up these blended threats that we've been talking about so many times. And, and it just really shows you that you can't look at one of these in isolation. You really have to look at the whole of them. And, and look, maybe the, the, the threat from a flood is not as severe as it is as a volcanic eruption or a tsunami or an earthquake. But that doesn't mean you can't just ignore it. You have to look at it. You have to be able to at least put it on the risk register. You have to be able to say, this is the type of threat I have out there. Whether that's likely or not, that's for you guys to decide. But you do have to take it into consideration and you really do have to work towards it and build your practices and processes around how are we going to respond when three of the five of these happen at one time? And look, I think if 2020 showed us nothing else, it's that three of the five of these can happen at one time. Dave, you, you had a lot of good points there. While you were you know, mangling all those words together, you hit you, you a lot of really good points there. I mean, one, um, yes, you're right. I mean, 2020 has shown that you know, all of them have to be prepared to fight a two or maybe three front war, so to speak, right? There's, there's pandemics, there's protests, there's elections, there's severe weather, there's all these things happening at once and you, and you can't take them one at a time. And you did actually, I think, uh, consciously or unconsciously, I think you tied together a lot of things we've talked about earlier, right? So, you know, if, if, if you're an organization based in the Northeast and you're relying on critical supplies, critical chemicals, let's say from somewhere down in the Gulf, that's a critical lifeline. You've got to be aware of causative that dependency that Jen talked about is so important to understand, right? And then when we look at that organization down there, maybe in the Gulf Coast, they, they are actually dealing with climate issues, changing issues, right? Sea level rise, severe hurricanes. We, we don't have to argue about the science behind those changes we're seeing, man-made, cyclical, whatever. We can disagree about those things. But the reality is there are certain things happening in the environment that are affecting organizations located on the coast and other parts of the country. And going back to those foreign influence operations, some of those adversaries are deliberately trying to, to, to stoke those flames and build that divisiveness. We're arguing about, you know, are we experiencing a climate crisis or not? And, and who's at fault and having to address this versus dealing with the reality of there are certain things happening in the environment we have to deal with. And even though you might not be directly impacted because of those interdependencies between infrastructure, you have to understand them and think through the impacts to your organization. So Dave, you didn't say it, but great job tying all that together because I think you did that really well. So that is, it's really it's important. Osmosis. You knew what I meant. You got my point. <laughs> yeah, we've got, <laughs> no, it's, it's really, really important. So, I mean, as we, as we look at critical infrastructure, I think you guys did a great job of, of setting all this up. Jen, thank you for the intro. Jerina, Dave, thank you for the additional thoughts and perspective. And I think there's more we can talk about in all of that. I think we're going to be talking about that in today's discussion, as well as some, some of those upcoming recordings we, we mentioned. But uh, let's move into the next part of our discussion here. And I think I want to sort of go through our speed round. We changed our format a little bit last month. And I think we we generally like that and got positive feedback on that. So I think each of you has something else you want to bring up, maybe tied to infrastructure or not. And so Dave, I'm going to come right back to you and throw the football back to you, who hopefully, unlike Ezekiel Elliott, you can hold on to the ball for a minute here and, and, uh, and, and say whatever you want to say. So all yours. It's time for Zeke to eat, not, not the real <laughs> stuff. He needs to lose some weight, but, it, but it's time for Zeke, Zeke to eat, right? Um, maybe we should focus on holding the ball. 
for starters. Um, okay, so my my thing is, you know, this is something I, I I've been thinking about, and I, you know, I talked about it in in a recent um, update I had with the faith based uh, ISAL the, the last week, and and it, it's this idea. I didn't necessarily know how to frame it necessarily, but this is idea of of security mindfulness. You know, we've got this concept of you know, being mindful in our, our daily life, just as on a personal level, and being aware of all those things around us, and and understanding how much we give them, you know, time in our head, and and um, and time in our that take up our 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 space. But you know, as an organization, and it just got me to thinking: as as organizations, I I think we really need to look at security mindfulness, and and how I related that. I'll just use an example: is you know. I'm not talking about the elections, but you know, faith-based organizations at times have um, been supporters of certain, um, you know, issues that have confronted various uh, countries or or, or whatnot. Um, it just any number of issues, and and they'll take to promoting that or or hosting lectures at their at their places of worship, or or they'll maybe put some signage out, or they'll advocate for a certain candidate or or whatnot. Um, and that's all well and good. That's that's their right and responsibility. There's there's if that's in line with their belief system, so be it. But the security mindfulness aspect of it comes in when we start going. That's fine, but you now are welcoming in. You need to be mindful of the threats that are, are that are resulting as a, that that come about as a result of this position that you're taking. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean you're right. It just means that you now need to be aware. And, and that's where I really I wanted to throw that out to everyone and just kind of be like, what, it, you know, I've tried to do some looking in to see if there's any security mindfulness stuff or if this has been picked up. And and th it's not quite the same as what I'm thinking. And so I, I really think this is important in this day and age. And we talked about disinformation, misinformation, and all this other stuff. But if we're going to, you know, take a position, if we're going to take a stand, or if we're going to promote or do something, we now, you know, we need to be mindful of the risk that that comes in. And I don't mean from, you know, that may be customer backlash. For example, I put out a product that has this on it. That may be customer backlash. But I'm thinking of more the the severe risk from it, and so just wanted to throw that out to the group. I think that's a great topic, Dave, and I, I'd love to to see you write on that some more. To be honest, I think it's a it's a great thought. Right when we when we take a position clearly, when we articulate our opinions publicly, when we try and be provocative in different ways, there are sort of uh, ramifications to that, right? And and sometimes we do that knowingly because we want the attention or because we feel so strong about something that we. We want to be very clear about where we stand, and there's nothing inherently wrong about that. But it does it does bring associated risk with it. We've got to be cognizant of and, and think through. And I really like the way you're you're framing that security security mindfulness and sort of being aware of what our actions could do, recognizing the secondary and tertiary impacts and and, and uh, potential impact that that could bring. I think it's a, it's a great way to think about it. It's something I think uh, would be really good to to expound upon in, in a variety of ways. So thanks for sharing that thought. I'm sure Jen and Jiren have some more thoughtful insights on that as well. Or not. <laughs> or not. Maybe not. I've left, I've left them, I've left them speechless. No, I do have a thought. I didn't know that was our opening. I love the idea of mindfulness around security. I love it. You should, you should coin that, trademark that, Dave, and develop that. I think it's brilliant. And I love the way that you laid it out here. You recorded that, right, Andy? She said brilliant, right? So I, the recording seems to have dropped off. For a moment there, but <laughs> we're having technical difficulties. <laughs> edit that out. No, no, I, think I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Dave, Jen, can you disagree with Dave so he doesn't get too excited here? Absolutely. No, no, I, no, that's actually great. Security mindfulness. Um, I love it. But I was actually distracted by his last um rant. I mean, his last bit of information on you know all the different th threats, even though they were um high. high What'd you say? Hydrocological? <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm, co I'm, I'm coining that one too. Well, okay. I'm, I'm putting a trademark okay. on that one too. But all the, the, the natural and the, the weather events and the natural events and things of that nature, but how they all work together, whether it's those or whether it's even some of the ones that we didn't talk about, like, um, you know, uh, where was I? 
there was that like you know technology the other technological or industrial like structural failures or you know unscheduled disruptions from like an aging infrastructure or other physical attacks or cyber incidents or something but one i was waiting for one phrase to come up from andy especially and it didn't no oh, you know where i'm going with this yes no, no blended threats Dave touched on it. He touched on it. But he, he did. didn't say blended. He never came out and said it though. Like I thought I did. I, think did. I, I didn't think I, I didn't. You know I, what? Maybe I, I, I zoned I out. I, I didn't say think it actually. And I thought Jen's I thought mom, maybe Jen, just... your mom, Jen, your mom is gonna have to weigh in on this one. She, yeah. She's a <laughs> danger so. there. I think so. I think Jen was snoozing. I think Jen but, was <laughs> that could be man oh all right. Well, I, I'm wrong. Anyway, everything else was great. I have nothing else. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll say this, Dave. Dave's actually taking on a big effort to update and refine something we talk about a lot. In addition to blended threats, we spent a lot of time talking about the hostile events attack cycle, and Dave's done a great job of advocating on that concept and sharing that a number of ways, both in public formats and a lot of our organizational reporting. And he's he's updating that now to really further develop and mature that idea. And Dave, honestly, I think this is another great opportunity to really take a, a great concept and, and maybe put some meat on that. I think there's a lot of folks who could really appreciate that perspective. So that's a little bit too much of a Dave Pounder praise and celebration. So I'm going to move quickly to Jarena. Jarena, I think you have some additional thoughts you want to bring up too. Yeah, I did. Um, I hope that Dave Pounder doesn't get mad about this because I know how he feels about all these national months. But I learned today that um, November is National Gratitude Month. And I just wanted to mention that here because you know, we, we talk about critical infrastructure resilience. We talk about security all the time. You know, there's a lot of scary stuff out there and there's a lot, a lot of bad things that happen to us and to other people. Um, but I, I thought it would be good to pivot a little bit and also think about all the things that we're thankful for, that we live in this country, that in spite of all the bad things that happen, there, are, there is a lot to be grateful for. And so as we think about threats and actors and and resilience and contingency plans and all that stuff. I think it's also good to have a parallel track in our mind to be grateful for what we have, what we can do, the opportunity to work in this field and contribute in some way um, and be grateful for the, the good things that happen and the good things that the community, um, the security community is doing both on the private sector side and on the government side. So I just wanted to mention that this on this call today um, at the risk of angering Dave. So that's what I wanted to share. I, th I think did we should Jarena, all to anger Dave. But did, did, you, did you miss the beginning <laughs> where it's Dave Pounder Gratitude Month? That's right. Exactly. I mean, right. Right. <laughs> as long as it's appreciation and gratitude for Dave Pounder, he's on board with that. But if it's I'm all for it. Gratitude, send it my way. No, we have a really good point. I mean, in this month of November, right, we're going to recognize Thanksgiving here in a few weeks. And uh, I mentioned in a, in, a, in a post I shared in our blog this morning, you know, looking a little bit at the elections, that you know, for all the excitement and, and angst and worries that everybody you know, talks about at the dinner table and on social media, everywhere else, at the end of the day, you know, most are going to pick up whatever happens here you know, in, the, in the coming few weeks. And with all the threats and violence that is out there that we're dealing with all day as security professionals, and you know, we're going to eat dinner with our family, we're going to talk to our friends, we're going to carry on. Uh, the way we always typically do. And in that, there's a lot to be grateful for and appreciative of. And I think we have to maintain that balance, especially for, for those that are in our community of, of looking at security issues all day and dealing with security in a number of ways. You know, it is easy to sort of get overwhelmed by the noise and the, the FUD, right? The fear, uncertainty and doubt that is out there. And we have to do our best to manage that in a number of ways and communicate effectively and clearly. And I think to take time to pause and be grateful for the people we get to work with and the things we get to do. And, and so many other things we you know, should be uh, appreciative of. So that's a really great point. Jen, did you want to add anything to that? I was just going to say to your, to, you know, have the gratitude, but then you kind of alluded to, but you didn't say the words, but Dave said, um, have that security mindfulness. <laughs> yeah, right on. I'm just that's tying right, that right together. On. Yeah. Nice, nice job putting those together. So uh, some really good points already. And Jen, is there anything you'd like to add in our in our speed round discussion here? Absolutely. So I really, I love that my mom gets all the shout out love. It's awesome. Hi, mom. Um, but what's the deal with this Paul guy? And why do you guys keep dissing him? 
Oh, come on, Paul. No, we love Paul. Dave, yeah. And, and this is really, it's this is Paul's month. And in fact, this is critical infrastructure. This is one of the things he wanted to. So if like, if I could coin the rock here, finally, <laughs> critical infrastructure has come home to the risk round table, right? I mean, this is, he's come back, you know, and so... Um, no, Paul's a good buddy of ours. Uh, Andy and I knew him uh, back in college. Uh, you know, as you often do when you go through college, you go your separate ways. And um, we all went into the army. We all spread around the world. We all went on deployments. And through the years, we've been in touch. And and I think Paul's been, uh, he's, he's a good dude. He's a good guy. I, I enjoy him. So. Yes, yeah, absolutely. A, a, a great guy and a, and, a, and a good listener too. So we're, we're happy to acknowledge him and appreciate him and and uh and 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 Jen you only wish you knew him better I tell you it's some it's a man you'll never ever forget so <laughs> so, <laughs> so with that I'll, I'll tell you I, I was going to tee up something um I had in mind I was thinking about it you know leading up to today's discussion and then just the other day I thought I want to discuss a, a different perspective to be honest so I'll save that for another day but you know, as we look at infrastructure um you know sort of my my worry with 2020 is that with everything that's been going on and all the discussion about so many serious topics this year and so much angst about elections and with coronavirus and with severe weather, I'm worried that we are not actually capturing the lessons learned through 2020. We're not actually applying those to organizations effectively. I've spoken to some folks that I know are doing that, um, both from critical infrastructure and from the faith-based community that are really codifying some of the lessons learned experiences into you know, their plans and, and building that resilience and getting better and preparedness. But when you think about continuity, when you think about the supply chain dependencies, you think about work from home and the rapid change that occurred there, we talk about personal preparedness. I'm concerned we're not really fully applying the lessons learned as effectively as we can be. And you know, when that devastating earthquake isn't in Turkey, but when it's here you know, in the new Madrid seismic zone or on the West Coast in one of those major fault lines, or when there is a significant you know, power outage event that maybe knocks things out for a significant period of time or significant part of the country. I, I do have concerns we're not fully acknowledging the lessons learned, the opportunity that 2020 has been to, as bad as it's been, maybe get better before something far worse comes our way. And that, that's, that's, a, that's a worry for me because I think it's a great opportunity um, to maybe build some of that capacity and build that resilience capability. Am I, am I wrong in, in thinking about that? Have you guys seen something that you think people really are? You know, taking advantage of this opportunity. Any any thoughts or ideas there? No, I think you're right, Andy. I, I think that's a good observation. Um, and I think it's something we do need to pay more attention to so that when the next big thing comes around here, we're prepared and we learn from what we've experienced this year. So I think you're right on there. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. And I, it's, it's an important area. So I think hopefully, hopefully we do take advantage of it. Dave, Jen, any, any thoughts on sort of building that capacity and taking advantage of, of what we've learned this year, hopefully? Well, what I'm concerned, I'm, what I'm concerned about is we've allowed, you know, we've gotten, and, and distracted is not the right word, but we've been so consumed with COVID and we've been so consumed about just trying to stay one stroke ahead of the shark in terms of maintaining our readiness and, and everything that we've ignored um, critical infrastructure in terms of you know, modernizing our efforts there, improving our automation, improving, you know, I mean, we, we have some significant, um, I mean, just three years ago, uh, I use this example a lot just because it, it really highlights the stuff. And the um, Oroville uh, Dam in California, back, I think it was 2017, they had a really bad, it seems crazy, considering all the wildfires they've had over the last couple of years, but they actually had a surplus of so much rain and snow that it was almost going to break the dam. And, and, and it almost caused a, a significant amount of damage to the town and, and then much further down. But I mean, upwards, I've seen estimates of up to over 1,500 dams across the country are um, in really bad states of repair. Uh, we have a lot of other infrastructure projects that, that need to be done and are being neglected because we're just not focusing on that right now because we're still trying to get out from underneath the pandemic. And so that's one of the areas, I, to your point, I mean, that's one of the things I've been thinking about. I appreciate that, I appreciate that. And I remember that situation very well and, and it's, it's a real issue for a lot of areas around this country. So a really good point, infrastructure is getting older 
and it does need to be maintained and, and enhanced. So some really good points there. Jen, anything you want to close out that thought with? Oh, yeah, just a, a little bit. It's kind of turning and hopefully a negative into a positive. There are all, I agree with all of those aspects, um, but I'm also, I guess, optimistic or, well, I mean, we've even seen it uh, in some small scale where organizations that weren't prepared for X, Y, and Z since the pandemic happened that are now like, oh, wow, yeah, maybe it can happen to us. So we, hopefully we're starting to overcome that. It can happen. It, can't, it won't happen to us mentality. And people are realizing that, yeah, this is pretty crazy. And it definitely can happen um, you know, on some small scale. And then, so as we get past this, then maybe they'll start biting off those other initiatives. Um, but I just, I do want to close with my, my thing. It made me thought, I don't know why I just kind of rabbit trailed, but I keep going back to the, the, the 2020, my favorite meme back to the future where, where doc says, listen carefully, Marty, whatever you do, don't set it to 2020. <laughs> And uh, anyway, just for people that just want to forget about it, you know, I mean, I don't think it's going to be 2020 is not going to be easy to forget, but for sure. Yeah, well, a great movie reference for sure right there and and some really great points being made there. So, so here's actually, if you're listening, you know, whether organizationally or personally, if if you can correct my my maybe um, negative perception there, if you've done something that you think you really have been able to apply those lessons learned or you are taking action or looking to take action in the new year. I would love to hear about that. You know, feel free to reach out to our team on social media or our podcast email address will be included with the blog post that accompanies today's recording. And, and let us know, you know, how are you taking advantage of the lessons learned through 2020? What are you doing to enhance that security and resilience for critical infrastructure or at the more personal and maybe family level? So we'd love to hear that and maybe get a better perspective. But team, thank you. Good discussion, great topics, a great month, and a lot that we're going to cover as the month continues through the other podcast offerings. I think a lot of time we don't think about our daily reliance and use of critical infrastructure, even during these times of staying home a lot more. And there are a lot of threats and risks to that infrastructure every day, but a lot of amazing people working very hard, maybe some of our present company excluded, to secure it, to fight the many adversaries who are trying to uh, affect it, to make sure we have reliable and accessible critical infrastructure from energy to healthcare, to facilities, to water, and there's so much more. It really is awesome that we all get to be a part of that and each of you contribute so much to that as is the rest of our Day 15 team and so many of our partners and colleagues that are out there. So really, there's a lot of great things being done. I'm really excited to hear you know, the upcoming discussions we're having as part of the Day 15 podcast menu. So thank you very much. And just on our way out the door, maybe some exit updates. You know, what's cooking in your lives right now? Drina, anything you wanna share? Um, tomorrow on uh, Good Morning DC, I will be on. I was interviewed about election disinformation, so I just want to plug that uh, for you guys. If you happen to be watching TV between 5 a.m. and 9 a.m., you might see me. And um, other than that, best wishes for tomorrow. May we have an uneventful election day tomorrow. Hey, that, that's awesome. And so I'm sure you're going to share the link of that recording with us on the back end, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay, awesome. That'd be great. Well, that's exciting. Do great, and and, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. That'd be that'd be super. So, uh, congrats to you and Jen. Anything you want to share from from Jen's world? I, just a little kind of uh, piggyback a little bit on Jarena's about you know tomorrow go out go vote. Um, Jarena did this in her first episode. I think she borrowed a little phrase from one of our colleagues, Eddie. Um, Keep your head on a swivel, and Dave, for you, maintain that security mindfulness. Nice, nice Dave reference. And yeah, I was great to get that Eddie shout out. So very good. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for that. Dave. Okay. So look, I mean, it's been we just passed Halloween. We're going into Thanksgiving now and Christmas. I've noticed, you know, the Halloween stuff has gone up and up and up every year. Um, I have had the benefit of now consuming all sorts of Halloween um, movies, shows. I'm not a scary, I don't like scary stuff. I don't like thrillers. I don't like a lot of that, that crazy stuff, but I, I will say, uh, you, you know, I did enjoy on HBO. It's called third day. It's kind of a thriller. It's a little weird, little spooky thriller. Uh, I did enjoy that, but I will also tell you that there are times when you can take a, a, a good children's book and make it into a bad children's TV show. Spookly, the square pumpkin. It doesn't work. They need, if you want to talk about rebooting the show, they really need to reboot Spookly. 
I mean, I'm look. It, there's just they they, they 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 took the narrative. It's a very simple story. The, the he was born a square pumpkin. He saved the other pumpkins because he was squaring and didn't go through the the hole in the wall or the fence. And then other pumpkins emerged. There was nothing about you know pumpkin Olympics or Jack Olympics or anything like that. There was nothing about bats or fruit flies and any of this other insect stuff. We need to get we need to get back into this very simple concepts about what's going on with our TV shows and really focus on what's really important. So that's all. Hey, that's, that's all. That, that seems like a really emotional topic for you. I, wow. I, I, I mean, uh, thank you for sharing that. Is quickly any relation to SpongeBob SquarePants? Uh, it, it's, if you, I, I'm just I'm beside myself about Spookly. I love the book. It's it's grown on me over the years. The TV show is just intolerable. And Dave, let, let, let's Bye, talk Dave. We, we could talk to these together. We'll spend some time and just sort of let's, let's, let's do one on one. There's a group. We'll form a group for that. Yeah, yeah. There's probably others suffering through this, this too. But but you know, as Dave as Dave suffers through that, I, I can I can share this. Dave and I are both uh, nerds in many ways, and one of the areas we we get to share our, our passion is we're both big fans of The Mandalorian, as every. Americans should be. I mean, that's just an, an awesome show. So there, you've got that, Dave. You've got Mando. I, I do have that going for me. That's one thing that's worked out well. Yeah, Who doesn't love Baby there. Yoda? And I, <laughs> I can tell you something that Dave definitely doesn't have, uh, and neither do I, is any joy or comfort in our football teams. And I'll just, I'll just say that, you know, for me, it's November. It's, it's always exciting to have football. I'm very grateful that the NFL is available to us during this crazy year of 2020. The Lions just completely embarrassed themselves, losing to the Colts horribly at home. It's, I think we've lost like seven straight home games now. The only thing keeping me going is the Lions host the Washington football team in Detroit on my birthday. I, I'm, I live in the Washington football team's territory. I'm a longtime Lions fan, so I'm counting on my boys to bring it home as a birthday gift to get that victory, and maybe at that point we'll be above 500. So... That that's that's my big thing for Smart. Not quite as emotional, maybe as as the Spookly issue, which is obviously really deep. But but that's me. That's my personal bit for November. I'm I'm very much looking forward to that game. So, guys, I think that's where we end it. Thanks for listening to this month's Risk Roundtable, our recurring monthly discussion among our team and occasional special guests as we explore the all hazards, threats, and risks impacting the United States internationally. Please subscribe and please share your feedback to this and our other podcasts. This TCE the Nerd Out Security Panel Discussion and the Gay 15 Interview. So long, and thanks for listening.